Well, y'all, today we have episode one of our podcast. So I've got Jonathan Smalley joining us. And Jonathan's been there and done that and in the food and beverage industry for sure. But he's been there and done that and all sorts of cool stuff in life. He was a traveling missionary for a little bit. Um, born and raised with some incredible stories. And uh, we've got, yeah, I've gotten to talk to him quite a bit um, and learn some of this. So. Uh, without further ado, I want to jump in and just have Jonathan introduce himself, and uh, let's talk about where, where you've been, what you've done, and uh, oof, yeah, how far back do we go? <laughs> um, I guess starting just in my adult life, um, you know, I, you know, I guess I do have to go back a little bit more into my childhood. I was uh, cooking in the uh, restaurant industry since I was 12 years old. Um, my parents opened up a restaurant when I was, I was 12. Um, so they put me right under the line when I wasn't in the dish area, I was online, yep. uh, you know, and we, you know, we, uh, just kind of lived and breathed that life. So it's just something I knew from a really young age. Was that like, uh, like a little mom and pa type restaurant? Was yeah. It, okay. It was, yeah, it was a more mom and pa, you know, Italian style cuisine, okay. kind of like right there in Manistee. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we had that for several years and then um, out of nowhere uh, decided to move overseas. So <laughs> yeah, so uh, we moved overseas and uh, lived there and believe it or not, somehow found our way into doing restaurant work in uh, there just by uh, um, kind of a building a business for the local community, uh, not something that we ever, you know, tried to like make into a business for ourselves, but just built a little chop house, uh, you know, for uh, some locals to be able to run and own as their own. Oh, that's uh, so cool. right. we, so we built that restaurant there and, um, you know, uh, you know, just built it and, you know, helped with the local cuisine, learned a lot about it. And then we're right from that into uh, living on board a ship in the Mediterranean, where, of course, I naturally <laughs> gathered, you know, my forces and found my way into the kitchen on board the ship. So because it was what I knew. So I ended up just doing prep for the for the chef on board this 350 uh, foot, um, uh, 120 year old ship that we were on board uh, for what one year. What was happening on the ship? Like, is it a warship? Is it well, like so the ship was actually it was it was called the MB Dulos. And it was actually, it was, it was a missionary ship, but um, it wasn't, um, the whole point of it was to be able to get in and, and minister to people in some of these countries that you wouldn't be able to ordinarily be able to get to. Uh, so what instead we were was the world's largest floating bookstore. Uh, so uh, we had over half a million books on board. We had a huge bookstore in, uh, all, in all these different languages, and we would just go in. And my dad was a medical doctor, so he was just a, a, the medical officer on board the ship. And okay. meanwhile, me and my brother were allowed to just run amok. Um, and so instead of you know going and getting into trouble, I just found my way into the kitchen and just started working with this uh, Swiss chef. Uh, just in there, we just you know we worked together, and it was cool, cool experience. How old were you at that time? Um, I was 15 and 16 okay. at the time. Right. Uh, so yeah, and then so we did that. Um, so of course that's what I that's what I learned how to do. Yeah. Um, you know, and then uh, I was there. I I moved back to the states. Um, landed in Ludington, Michigan, and had nothing else to do. So once again, I had to find a job and find something to do. So of course, I knew how to cook. Yep. So I went down to this little mom and pop restaurant, Old Hamlin. Walked in, met the owner, and he said, "Oh yeah, go hop on the line." So I was 17 years old. Just went and just started flipping eggs. <laughs> Literally same day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was like, "Okay, come on in." I didn't even know what he was saying or if he was saying me. You know. So uh, <laughs> he did. Anyway, but you're uh, lucky. Cause yeah. I heard, you know. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I um, just found my way in there and just continued cooking and you know um, eventually you know met a girl and you know we we started dating, got married, and um, wanted to have a family but had no didn't know what I wanted to do so just. Ran to culinary school. I went to culinary school in my early 20s. Oh, you went to culinary school after all this yeah. experience of cooking. Yeah, so I had cooked in, you know, so many restaurants at this point. Went to culinary school, um, moved to Muskegon, uh, and just started cooking in restaurants there. And, you know, just built up my, uh, my resume and my skill set in that field. I've actually got out of just cooking and got more into food and beverage management. Okay. And... Um, I was managing, you know, huge events. You know, I ended up working for a company that, you know, we had a 40,000 square foot convention center. Um, you know, we had four restaurants and uh, a couple of conference centers as well. And, you know, so we ended up doing that and that was my entire life. Right. <laughs> so literally, like literally, how many hours? Um, a week. Like, 
Like, yeah, and Jonathan was telling me stories of like just renting a hotel room because he had to be there three hours later. Right? Well, we had a hotel attached to our uh, attached to one of our restaurants. So, right. you know, you cook on the line with your with your staff. It gets to be about midnight. You know, you have an event the next day that you don't that you're not nearly prepared for. So, you know, you just go grab a hotel room, sleep for three hours, and come back down by three o'clock in the morning and just keep going. And meanwhile, I had a whole, I had a family at home, right. you know, so at this point, you know, my wife and I have had two kids and yeah, so we're, uh, we're just leaving our lives married, but are, right. you know, so, you know, we loved each other still. We weren't having any problems with our marriage. We just didn't see each other. And it's kind of difficult to have problems with your marriage when you're never seeing each other. Right. So, so <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so anyways, something had to change, um, but the restaurant industry was all I knew right. really like professionally was all I knew. I had no idea like how I would move out of that. You right. know, I'd seen people try and fail to get out and then they'd be back, you know, a month or two later. And I was like, okay, well, I got to make a go at this. So, uh, I talked, you know, to my wife one night, I got home probably at, you know, one thirty in the morning and yeah, I was, uh, literally limping into the, into the, uh, house. Um, and, uh, I just said, I was like, I, I think we keep trying to make this industry fit our lives, but this industry is not designed to do that. Right. The industry is designed to consume <laughs> rather than to promote literally. So, but, yeah. Uh, it's food and beverage. You're meant to consume yeah. it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 employees. it's, uh, it's staff and it's employees. Um, well, it feeds, uh, you know, the, the, the local right. uh, clientele. So. Yeah, so I just, you know, I, it was kind of a, a quick realization. I was like, I got to do something. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what it's going to look like. And in my mind that night as I went to bed, I think I was imagining a mailman because I had not really done anything else. I was like, well, I don't like to do that, right. you know? And then they seem to have pretty good hours. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> but um, yeah, so... I was imagining mailmans, maybe maybe plow truck drivers, or you know, just, I don't know. I didn't even know what other people. So you you had built up to being the top guy, yeah, and like right, yeah. I had I had one boss ahead of me, you know, and, yeah, and uh, one boss and then the yeah. owner who was yeah like hundreds of millions of dollars, yeah, absolutely, right. So one boss ahead of you. So you're you've grown and you've got how many employees underneath you? Like yeah, hundred and twenty or so, or twenty five, right. And you were looking at becoming a pot truck driver. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds just, great at the time. Just purely for lifestyle change. Yeah, just, you know, I'll do, you know, I, I can do anything as long as they let me go at a certain time of the day. Right. <laughs> so yeah. if I can come home and see my kids, I was like, okay, well, they can. I, I, literally, I literally remember telling my wife, she's like, well, what will you do? You know, like, what if, what if, what if you don't like being a plow truck driver? What if you don't like being a mailman? And I said, babe. They can they can shove bamboo shoots up my fingernails all day as long as they let me go at five. So I was like, as long as they let me go home and see you guys, I don't really care what they do to me while I'm there. Like that's not the point. Like the point right now is to figure out how to stop doing that. Right. You know how to how to not work from seven in the morning till so you know. So how long from that decision, that time you came home at one thirty in the morning and had that conversation with your wife, to. Like how long of a process was it to getting out of that industry? So I always made the assumption because it had crossed my mind, but I'd never verbalized it really. I'd always made the assumption that it would take, you know, just months and months of preparation and, you know, just, you know, maybe learning a new skill set or something like that, you know, before I'd ever be able to like really pull the trigger. Um, and we have this small bed and breakfast in Ludington. And uh, at the time I was commuting back and forth from Ludington to Muskegon. Um, so in the morning I stopped by the bed and breakfast and I was just helping, you know, some of our staff cook some breakfast, you know, I'm sitting there in my chef coat in your off time here. Yeah. Yeah. In my off time while I'm, you know, cooking at this bed and breakfast. Um, and, um, my brother and sister-in-law walked in and they, you know, they're, they, we co-own the bed and breakfast with them. And I had just had this conversation with my wife the night before. And I just, I just shared with them. I said, well, um, you know, I, I talked to Christina about it last night and we're, we're thinking I might just get out of the food and beverage industry. And, um, my brother-in-law says, well, I know Colin's looking for a guy. Yeah. It was like literally the night before. And I was like, uh, who, who is Colin? <laughs> and they were like, he, he, he owns a. 
superior exteriors. He, he's the guy that put the roof on our bed and breakfast. I'm like, oh yeah, remember I wasn't here for that. Yeah. You know, so they were like, oh yeah. So he pulled up a pulled up the, the uh, ad that he'd seen, um, and uh, he was like, he's like, I don't know, you know, I can reach out to him for you. I was like, okay. And later on that night, I was, you know, sitting there talking to him again, and they they were like, you want me to call Colin for you? And I was like, yeah, call, you know. And he so he called him right in front of me. He's like, yeah, you know. Uh, I got a brother-in-law, you know, this is all he's ever done, but he's a smart guy. Can I give him your number? And he's like, yeah, you, you know, you said, yeah. <laughs> uh, go ahead, go ahead, you know, give him my number. So uh, the very next morning after that, I was driving uh, down PM Highway and I passed the shop and I kind of just noticed it and just sat driving. I was like, yeah, I'm going to call that guy. I just called him. And uh, yeah, we had well, probably a five minute conversation um, and then agreed to meet, I think the next day. Yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, so yeah. literally that quick, like yeah, my you had no thoughts before of wanting to get out of food and beverage. It was just that one night, boom, like yeah, this I had never verbalized it. Okay, I, you know, it, it crossed my mind like ah, there's got to be a, got to be a better way. We yeah. all, we all, yeah, thoughts right, like rest job or whatever. But, yeah. yeah, yeah, but you know, finally, I just like had the real talk of like, man, you know, this industry is just chewing people up. You know, right and to this day. I'm the only, I mean, and this isn't to toot my own horn, this is, you know, just to show how lucky I am with the woman that I married, but I'm really one of the only chefs that I've ever known that didn't at some point in his career cheat on his wife. Wow. Yeah, I, I you know, I've, I've talked to many chefs about it, and I'm not saying that they're not, you know, that, that none, that, you know, every other chef had, sure. but from the ones that I worked with closely, it was common right. to, to cheat on their wives. You know, or to, you know, to just, That's, you know, because they're just, they're spending their whole life in this restaurant. Right. So this restaurant feels like their wife too. You're right. You know, exactly. so yeah. Right. I mean, and of course, drug addictions and yeah, alcoholism and, you know, and of course, uh, obviously been divorced. Yeah. And then right. what leads to divorce, right. well, of course. And, right. you know, so, um, not that I, you know, felt like I was getting close to doing that. Right. But I just still was feeling like I needed to get back with my family and be able to pursue them rather than pursue a separate career. Right. So finding something outside of that industry. Right. Yeah. Paramount to the lifestyle that I want right. to be living. But I made you the offer then what, like the next day after we met? Yeah, and pretty close. It was really close. And then uh, what do we do? You had like two or three weeks yeah. that you gave them notice. <laughs> so literally from the time you made the decision mm -hmm. to interview was three days. Yeah, for two days, something like that. Yeah, two or three days. And accepted offer later that week. Oh, yeah. And it just moved out fast. Yeah. So you just broke every belief that you had ever had about <laughs> what that looked like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, because of course, like I said, I assumed that it would take months of preparation and right. searching industries and trying to learn a new skill set and all that before I could even get. And then I also assumed that I would have to take a dramatic pay cut. Right. You know, I was like, well, you know, if I'm going to be starting intro level in a new industry, I'm going to be starting out at, you know, right. the ground level and trying to build my way back up. I didn't know what that would look like for my family either. Right. So, um, but yeah. Well, let, let me just straight up ask, did you have to take a huge pay cut? No, actually. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I remember uh, the day uh, that uh, you gave me a call, you know, I was in between restaurants, was driving, and you said, do you have a minute? Or you texted me, you said, do you have a minute? Uh, I mean, I was like, can I give me three minutes and I'll have, you know, I was like, I just drove down to a parking level in the garage and just got to where nobody was around. And uh, I, you know, you, you made the offer, or, you know, I remember, you, you know, you, you were like, yeah, I'm excited to see what this will do for your family and all that. And I was like, yeah, absolutely, me too. And I, I called my wife and I was like, I feel like I just won the lottery. <laughs> that was like, I, you know, it's like, right. I'm not going to be taking a huge pay cut. I'm going to have like a reasonable, you know, amount of time to work, you know, and it's right. like a normal amount of stress, yeah. you know, like a not, like, you know, I wasn't trying to avoid all stress and exactly. you know, right. like, yep. so yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, yeah, she, and she was, you know, of course, ecstatic, ecstatic and super happy. And, you know, they were already living up in Ludington, and I was driving back and forth between Ludington and Muskegon. And Which, just for everybody listening, yeah, 45 minutes. It, yeah, it's, yeah, it's about a 45-minute drive, right. you know. So, so that's an hour and a half a day extra that you, yeah. you're out of work, but still not with your yeah. family. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, but, um, yeah. So we do that, right? And what did, when you were leaving that industry, 
Did you ever have anybody be like, oh, you'll be back? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And, and I had said that to people before, and they came back. Okay. <laughs> so I didn't, yeah, I had a doubt in this kind of case. Full swear. Yeah, you know, I'd have people be, you know, be like, oh, no, I'm getting out of this industry. I'm going to go sell RVs, or I'm going to go, you know, be a mailman. I had many people, be, you know, literally to be a mail. I had a, I had a, a director of hotels who had three hotels under him, you know, who was just completely weighted down by it. And um, one day we thought, we thought he was posting a picture of himself in his Halloween costume when he posted a picture of himself on Facebook of himself wearing a, wearing a, a mailman uh, uh, uniform. <laughs> Doug, wearing, Doug, Doug went out as a, as a, a mail carrier, <laughs> you know? And someone was like, no, dude, that's his new career. Right. Like, like, and then we saw him like later on and then we're like, well, he does look happy. <laughs> so, yeah, man. How did you handle people saying, oh, you'll be back? I, did you I wouldn't bet at all. I, I wondered. Yes. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I believed it. Or I don't know if I, I don't know what I was thinking, but I know that I was moving in a direction and I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna let like the fear of, you know, uh, potential failure outside of this industry that had been, you know, the thing that I knew the most of in my entire life, the thing that the skill set that I could fall back on, you know, through my entire teenage years and yeah. all that, you know, I wasn't going to let that uh, <clears throat> deter me. Right. So, yeah, no, and I had a meeting with uh, uh, the owner of our company, and we, you know, he were $340 million or something like that, you know, and, you know, and then he just looked at me, he's like, do you want to get into roofing? Then I was like, well, yeah. He's like, do you know how hard roofing is? I was like, well, I'm not going to. I'm pretty sure I'm not signing up to be a roofer. <laughs> hey, and he's like, well, you know, that's what a lot of people tell you. And I remember looking into him in the eye and I said, well, you know, John, I don't know what to tell you. It, it, if it turns out that, I, you know, that I'm going to be a roofer, could it possibly be harder than what I've been doing? I was like, is it, you know, like, is that literally a step in the wrong direction? Right. And he was like, well, I don't know. I guess not. I was like, yeah, I've been... Yeah, right. With what I've been doing, it's, it can't possibly be more. Right. So, you know, so he admitted that, but of course told me, you know, well, the door's always open. Right. You know, you can come back, yep. you know, when, when and if you really, you made a mistake. Tell everyone about um, the deal you made to, to cook a couple of nights or events. Yeah. So, because <laughs> I think that's the whole way. Well, so there's going to be people in your life who just had to, just as a, you know, kind of a caveat to the story is there's going to be people in your life, like leaders and bosses that you'll see as like real people that you wouldn't want to do this to. First of all, <laughs> so, like, if for whatever reason I was ever leaving Superior and Colin said, hey, can you help me out with this? I wouldn't do this to Colin because I see Colin as a real person. <laughs> but um, at this time, you know, I finished my three week notice. And um, the, the next couple of days were just, I could tell, were going to be absolutely bonkers at the restaurants. And I knew they were understaffed. And, and I just was like, okay, well, I got to let them know what they're going to be in for. Because I'm going to go on after Saturday. Right. Or maybe Sunday. Final. It was my Friday. Last, yeah, last day. And, uh, and I was like, but so I don't know what they're going to do on Saturday and Sunday. So I, uh, you know, it's summertime now in a tourist town. And um, so the owners of, well, what's it going to take? What's it going to take to get you, you know, a couple more shifts? And I didn't want to say it out loud to him, so I was like, well, I'll text you. <laughs> and I just, wait, so this is on the phone. Well, no, we were in a meeting. We were in a, we were in a, a private dining room meeting. Oh, no good. And, uh, and I was like, well, let me think about it. And he was like, oh, yeah, just whatever it takes, you know, just let me know. And I remember I just, he gets, and I said, I, we get away, and he goes, all right, and he's like, just text me, you know, whatever it's going to be. And I said, okay. So then, uh, hey, I texted him maybe 15 minutes later. I said, it's going to cost about a thousand dollars a day. And he was like, it seems pretty high. He was like, well, I was like, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is pretty high. <laughs> okay. But you know, you've asked a lot of me over the years and right. you know, now here I am, you know, let me know what it's going to cost. And he said, all right, let's go for it. And go. And so, yeah. so you worked two more days. Yeah, two more days, and I was actually, he called me on the third day, is that what, same deal, it was actually halfway through the day, too, so I would have been working like a half day, okay, well, it would have been a normal length day, <laughs> but it would have felt like a half day at that time, um, and he, uh, he's like, same deal, that's fine, if you can get in there, 
I know you're 45 minutes away, but if you can get in there. And um, I, was, we, I was leaving Harbor Freight with my family. We just bought a new generator and I was, you know, I'm in the truck and I was like, I think I'm gonna go do it. And my son, who's uh, seven years old at the time, he says, well, dad, you, know, you, gotta, you gotta decide, you know, what's more important, you know, money or family. <laughs> so, 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 why is I going to win? Yeah, I was like, well, okay, well, you knew what to say. So I just sent the text. I was like, sorry, man, I'll, I'll, I can't do it again. And he's like, okay, I understand, you know, and he just, you know, yeah, didn't bother. Because he's just stringing you along. Well, yeah, he was trying to get me to, you know, I mean, him, he was trying to get me to hold his hand above water at that time. And, uh, you know, so. As far as it, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So if you're ever in a situation like that and your boss is like, how much do you get you to stay for a couple more days? Go big. Yeah. Right? Totally. Honestly, you probably weren't too low. Yeah, I thought about it later. You probably wouldn't. Maybe that one. or two grand, right? So, um, all right. So now, now let's talk about um, hindsight since leaving that industry, right? Because you were, after going to culinary school, and then growing in the management side of things, how many years did you spend in the management side of things? Ten? Yeah, about ten. Ten. Yeah. What now, looking back on it, do you see as, and this is not to like bash the food and beverage industry. Right. This is more or less like things that we do as human beings that we just take for granted as normal mm-hmm. that aren't normal. Right. Right. So what, what are things that you see that you were doing then that you would never go back to doing now? Hmm. Well, it's definitely important to get a day off, right? I mean, even with the day off, I mean, you know, we're going to continue working on our days off, you know, for ourselves and for, with our families, you know, but it's definitely important to, to, to take that time away from the industry that you're working in and do something specifically for yourself. Right. And that's something that in my old line of work, we never did. Right. Yeah. I mean, we'd have a day on. I, I remember I was, I, my wife was at work one day and I had just my boys and we were, we were like, all right, we're going to go, we're just going to go two trapping to, together today. And, uh, we got, I got him in the car and, uh, and we were started driving and my phone rang and I just look, looked at it and there was like, Hey, we're dying. We're on the, you know, like I got, you know, there's two restaurants are, you know, just collapsing right now. You know, we have, we were busier than we thought we were going to be. Two people didn't show up. You know, we, we, you know, we need you. You know, and I was like, ah. you know, like, right. And then I remember, I'll never forget, like looking in that rear view mirror and just like looking at my kids, like sitting there just in their car seats, like ready to head out to the woods, ready to head out to the river. And it's kind of like looking at them being like, right. well, my wife's going to be home in an hour. I can't leave before then, you know? And it's like, okay, let's go. Right. You know, and just kind of have it completely switch gears and just disappoint them. Right. You know, so. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's so important. And that's that image and like, yeah, I can, I can like almost see it. Yeah. Right. The way that you just described it, because it's so vivid for you, seeing the kids in the rear view mirror, ready to go. Yeah. And having to be like, grab. Yeah. I didn't do that. Yeah. Like, that's tough. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, uh, so that's something you'll, you'll, you'll never go back to. Right. <laughs> oh, absolutely. There's being 100% on call. Right. And I know I call you at night sometimes, so just for right. But that's not her. But that's not asking me to. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what else? Well, you know, the food and beverage industry is so renowned for its um, for its its abuse of drugs, alcohol. Right. You know, obviously, I already talked about infidelity that I was able to avoid. You yeah. know, and for the most part, drugs as well. You know, I didn't. I never picked up any. You know, horrible drug habits. Um, Adderall is a crutch that that industry uh, really leans on pretty hard, and um, no. you know because it'll you know it'll, it'll it can carry you further than you should be able to carry yourself. Right. Um, but yeah, definitely alcohol is something. You know, it's not to say that you know you sh- nobody should be you know having a drink or anything like that. So it's the that I'd take necessarily, but um, it became so common to. Uh, to, to in the middle of the day, you know, to just be walking along and oh, there's a 
there's a, there's a, a rep from one of the local distilleries here. Okay, no problem. You know, and because it felt intellectual, <laughs> you know, at the time to have them sit down and pour you $800 worth of whiskeys, you know, that you wouldn't ordinarily buy for yourself. So you're sitting there tasting, you know, all these different whiskeys and you're going to, you know, get a little bit of a buzz on. And then, and then oh, we got to go do a, you know, got to go do a bar lineup, you know, because we have a new bar menu. All right, let's go. And, you know, so the bartenders are sitting there making all these cocktails and you guys are sitting around tasting all these cocktails and discussing them. And then you go from that to you know hey you know like that it was just constant throughout the entire day you know and then because it's constant throughout your entire day it makes sense that you know you're gonna get home and it's gonna be constant throughout your entire night you know so you develop this attitude of well just you know, it, it hasn't become a big deal it doesn't affect you know it actually promotes my career right do it and it's because i'm doing it so much throughout the day it doesn't affect my family at night right so you know, so you're just drinking throughout your entire life. Right. And that, yeah. So, of course, when I came to this industry, I wasn't drinking throughout the day, you know, because <laughs> what this industry is. So, and that was fine because I was focused on other things. But the nighttime continued to be the same. You know, so to you change know, your nighttime routine a little bit. Yeah. So it was like, okay, well, you need to get home, maybe spend an hour or so with your kids and then, Nothing to just you know pour a glass of whiskey and then continue doing your daily life, right? But with a drink in your hand because that's exactly what that's exactly what your life had been. Right. So, um, yeah. So breaking that routine of doing that, you know, and um, just forcing yourself to not casually, without even thinking about it, pouring a drink, right? You know, was absolutely something that I can't go back to. You know, right. never just turn back to that and be like, okay, well. Right. Yeah, perfectly fine. So finding something to fill that gap, yeah. you know, and of course your family and your kids are something, but my family and my kids were always part of that anyways. Yeah. So it didn't, so I had, you know, so you got to find. It's clear you're not feeding your kids whiskey. Well, I'm not feeding my kids whiskey, <laughs> but you know, definitely, you know, well, I didn't, you know, well, I do with my kids, it was no problem with having a glass of whiskey in my hand and they were so used to seeing it. They didn't have a negative reaction right. to it at all. So yeah. That's definitely a great something to do. What about like uh, your your schedule, right? So it was normal for you to be scheduled to work. What what did your what did your schedule say? So schedule said be there whenever you need to be there. So, I mean, you know, for, for at that level, yeah, I didn't have. I was never. Okay. My name was never on a schedule. Right, right. So the schedule said. Uh, you know, be there uh, whenever the, the whenever the business needs you. Well, in my case, the business was two coffee shops that opened at 4:30 in the morning. Um, you know, a pizzeria that was open. You know, at you know from three o'clock to ten o'clock. Um, a bunch of convention center space that could be working at any time. Right. Uh, so, being there whenever I was needed became being there all the time. Right. So breaking that, you know, so I mean, you know, people would ask me, are you a morning person? Well, I don't know. Are you, are you a nighttime person? I don't, well, I don't really know what I am because I'm, you know, I'm up when I need to be up and I'm, you know, asleep when I need to be asleep. So there's absolutely no routine whatsoever. Right. So finding a routine of, you know, leaving work at a semi-consistent hour and then, you know, getting home and doing this right. family and then getting up at a specific time, you right. know, and having a morning routine became something that was, you know, Right. Dramatically different. Right. Yeah. Right. So how many hours a week were you working on that average? 80 to 85. 80 to 85 hours a week. Yeah. Because, and then that's the thing. It's like you'd be seven days a week. Like typically and very often, you know, I mean, that's, you know, if you could sneak in a day in where you were, where you didn't have to physically be on property, you were very, you know, lucky. One day was that normally? Sunday was the Sunday. goal, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Would would you ever go back to that? Say I say I come to you, right? We're gonna play in the land of hypotheticals for a minute. Okay. I come to you and I say, Jonathan, we're gonna open up this little location in Muskegon. And I'm gonna need you to start that from the ground up. Is it end? But we're not gonna hire technicians, we're not gonna hire admin. I need you answering the phone, running the sales, doing the installs. But you're gonna make hundred thousand dollars a year. You make hundred twenty thousand dollars, or whatever. Right? Yeah. And name your name your number. Right. Two hundred thousand dollars a year. I'm good. Right. You're gonna make this much money. Yeah. I do that. Is there any bit of you that's tempted by that anymore? No. 
Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm glad that's not to say that. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, so I would never do that. No. But um, <laughs> well, there's nothing that would ever get you to go back and work 80 hours a week. No, absolutely not. Why is that? Because now I've seen what it's like to not do it. Okay. You know, now I've gotten a chance to, you know, dig into that. Like, what, what have you seen? What are, the, what are the fruits of that? Fruits of the less labor. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, you know, and there were pieces of, like, my family's routine that I didn't know they had. Okay. Because I was never there. Right. I was like, wow, this is a lot of fun. Like, can you share one? Well, yeah. I mean, then my, my wife and my kids would go for a hike. You know, okay. at this, you know, like, okay, you know, the kids are out of school, you know, and we're going to go, you know, they go, they go for a hike. I was like, I didn't realize you guys were even doing this. Right. Like, like, oh, yeah, yeah this is, and you love hiking. Oh, and I, yeah, absolutely. It's like the thing I love to do. It was like, well, I'm, you know, I'm glad that you continued getting them into it while I was off doing something else. Right. You know, fortunately, something my wife and I both love. Yeah. You know, so yeah, or, you know, um, my, a good example is, uh, you know, it's not as a sort of something that I love, but it was something cool to realize that my family did um, was like every Christmas there were like there was a whole like lineup of Christmas movies that they would watch like, you know, throughout like the month of December. And I remember being like, oh, let's watch this. You guys haven't seen this, right? And they were like, yeah, we watch that every single year. And I was like, oh, no, kid is like, I had no idea you guys had even seen this movie. They're like, yeah, we watched that movie for the first time three years ago. It was like, oh, every year since. Yeah. I was like, oh, I thought it was just a classic Christmas movie that I was introducing to you for the very first time. Right. I'm like, no, this has been our Christmas tradition for three right. years. But you just, you were doing so you missed a ton of firsts. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right. And your yeah. kids, I mean, good news is your kids are eight and just turned five. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so there's time. There's time to still get in those first. Yeah. Right? But I know that same feeling too, right? Through through building the business, I'm, mm. I missed out on some of those first, right? Yeah. yeah. There's nothing that quite stings like that. Yeah. Right. When well, you don't get to see that, it just, yeah, it, mm. it kills. Yeah. That's all I did. What else? Anything else that is like, where you've seen the fruit of, of no longer working. And you still, I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong, you still work, what, 50 hours? Yeah. Roughly, on average a week here? Yeah. Um, I think you're, what, eight to, eight to five every day, and mm-hmm. a little earlier, a little later sometimes? So, yeah. Um, you know, as I mean, just, I think the number one thing was just being able to just get yourself into a cool routine. Being able to get yourself up in the morning and like do something for yourself, like go for a bike ride in the morning right. before you have to go to work. Right. Because, you know, eight o'clock to some people, it might sound early. Some people, it sounds late, you know, because some people are like the hardcore first shifters, you know, and some people are, right. you know, but, uh, you know, so, but uh, to be able to just be like, okay, well, work starts at eight. So if I got up by 530, that's, that's a good chunk of time in the morning where before you even start work exactly you know so or most people even wake up yeah so it's like that's just um that's just like a, a benefit of like having a consistent schedule right you know right. all of a sudden you know i mean and and don't get me wrong in the previous industry there would be times that it'd be like okay well i'm not going until 10. Right. i go go until 10 i'm there that doesn't mean that it's a short day right it means that i'm just there from instead of seven to midnight it's 10 to midnight so right you know so right exactly yeah. So let's talk now about your new morning routine. All right. I just want to, I want to learn like the, the, the reasoning behind that. Yeah. And then why and how, how it's making you feel. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the new morning routine just, you know, so I get up, you know, my, my alarm goes off at five. I usually, you know, get up and really start moving by about five thirty. you know, and you know, I just, it's, it's not hard cause my family's asleep to just, walk right out the door and you know grab my bike and just hop on it and just you know ride out you know and just ride out for you know 45 minutes or so right just knock out you know six seven miles you know and just cruise around we live close to the lake and it's just ride down by lake michigan see it in the morning we're right you know close to the summer solstice too so it feels like noon at right you know 6 30 in the mornings so actually awesome. i think it was yesterday it was yeah. yesterday was yeah. the longest day of the year <laughs> yeah yeah right. just getting darker now right. <laughs> but uh yeah so um doing that and it's just it's given me more energy to be able to get you know getting up in the morning and you know just having that routine of just really just building a sweat you know at that time of the morning i don't even really crave coffee now because i build up these endorphins at that early time and then um it also forces me to go to bed earlier right 
which is you know right huge for you know your mental health and right you know just for your physical it was a product of the book we just read too yeah company right um, yeah. you know nothing mark Wahlberg does this yeah he goes to bed at seven or eight o'clock every night because after that he gets tempted to do the stupid things right mm -hmm. eat the eat the crap to watch tv to numb yeah. his brain or whatever he's like i'm just gonna go to bed no way could i four and i'll be hyper focused and rock and roll yeah because right? well, that's, uh, that's that, that's that's how we operate too. I mean, we, we got the new ranch, right? Mm -hmm. There's always something to be doing until nine, ten o'clock at night. Yeah. But, um, other than that, it's yeah. Like we're we finish up and boom, we're in bed. Mm -hmm. It's up early, same thing. Yeah. Uh, I can 100% relate to the energy from working out first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. Like you just like you just like pumped. Yeah. yeah. I'm not doing creatine or any of that stuff, right? Right. Like, I'm not putting caffeine in my body or any of that stuff. <laughs> um, it's just there's something cool about it. Yeah. And you, are you like, do you feel like you're excited to get up and go ride your bike? Up? Yeah, typically. It's like you wake up and at first your alarm goes off and you're like, ah, and you're like, how long I could be out of my, and you look outside, you're like, oh, I could be on my bike, you know? Yeah. Um, this morning I was, I was a little bit more tired this morning. I woke up and say, ah, you know, but then the second you're actually doing that activity, right? all that fatigue kind of just, exactly. yeah, let's talk about that. Let's, let's talk about the, the effect of actually doing it right right because this has been in a couple of books we read too mm -hmm. right nobody has just motivation to do things right consistently right like we might have the motivation to get home go home and mow our lawn yeah right? but we're not really motivated to do it until we start doing it yeah right and that's the same thing with the gym and all that mm -hmm. stuff um same thing in our lives yeah right? like you're not motivated to be a good dad until you actually are sitting with your kids, right? And you can be at work and focused on work. And yeah, we'll like mess our kids and think, oh, it'd be fun to be doing this with the kids or whatever. But we're not gonna just drop everything and go do that. Yeah. A, because it's not 100% not right always, right? Yeah. Um, but B, because we know like we're wired as men, we still have things that we have to do. Right. Right. And that's, a, that's one of the harder things for me to shut off is knowing that there's still things I have to do. Like I said, we just bought this ranch and there's a million things that I could be doing. But being able to shut that off and go and be like, nope, I'm, I'm reverting this, this motivation to my family, to my wife, to my kids, right? We have, you know, we have Thursday nights, our hard stop date nights. I'm on here by four o'clock, I get home, my wife and I get ready for a date night and we're gone. Yeah. Right? Actually, we don't get that tonight. Our babysitter's gone. I forgot about that crap. Uh, but uh, but yeah, finding those those hard stops, but then actually doing the thing to gain the motivation to do it. Yeah, I think the motivation comes so much more from when you start getting the results, right? And when you start to feel better. Yeah. Or when you start to see the ranch come together. Or, you know, when you, if you, you know, if you're working, you know, if you're putting together your workshop, you know, cause it's like, we just bought this house and, yep. you know, we're living in town for the very first time ever. And, uh, you know, so it's like when you're putting together the workshop, when everything looks terrible, you know, it's just completely short apart. Cause we just, you know, the garage of course was the last thing to right. get put together, for it. you know, so it's like actually getting it, it's difficult to get going on it, but once you see it start to take place. It just kind of snowballs. The, the motivation just kind right. of snowballs. And you're like, well, yeah, let's get done. Exactly. You know, let's, let's let's put together an awesome garage. And, right. Yeah. So all that cool stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But definitely feeling better is a great motivation. Right. And then, you know, if you're working out, you build these endorphins. That Those endorphins are a drug. Right. You know, so yeah. that replaces... The previous drugs that you had in your, you know, whether the whether it's coffee, which I'm obviously still drinking, you know, or if it's the alcohol that you got used to drinking, or you know, whatever, Adderall. you know, Adderall is, you know, if that's if that's what you got into, you know, but it's like those kinds of things. It's like wow, building that up, you know, working out creates, you know, your brain will produce its own drugs, right? Exactly. So this, and I don't want this to turn into promotional, come work at Superior Exterior type video, but. I want, I want to learn like, what are things that are different about here beyond just the, the schedule and having a hard stop. Right. And you know, we didn't even touch on the times I had to tell you like, Jonathan, quit working, go home. Right. Like we had to detrain you from that. Cause you yeah. would have kept going 60, 70 hours a week and be like, I'm getting 10, 15 hours a week back. 
I can do that. No, yeah. Right? But there was times I had to be like, Jonathan, why is your truck at the shops at 6.30 at night? Yeah. Go home. Yeah. Right? And uh, we had to do, we had had that conversation a couple times. Yeah, yeah. Um, but beyond just the hours, right, and the not a pay decrease, and now you've been obviously promoted to general manager, you're making more money to help, right? Um, but beyond that, what are some things that people, that listeners should be looking for in company cultures or what? I mean, a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs, right? Mm -hmm. So what, what are things that they can be putting into their company that will attract really high level people like you? Cause like I hired Jonathan as an operations manager, but really like operations slash project manager because he, I needed my project manager position built out. So not only did he, manager projects he built the systems for it oversaw um our seamless gutter crew which was pretty automated this was all on the roofing side really i needed him and built that and now he's general manager overseeing sales and all of production and the admin team um because he's a high performer he came with zero industry knowledge right right you know he knows that asphalt or shingles are made out of asphalt right but that was about it right um and has learned the skill set but what are, what are things that like about here that, again, I'm not trying to make it a promotional video, but what are things that drew you to, to want to elevate yourself here? Well, I think, you know, we use the phrase company culture a lot, right? But in a lot of ways, like we need to like define like, well, cause every, every company has a culture, of course, you know, I saw, so, you know, the previous, my previous company, it was a culture of slavery. Yeah. <laughs> pain, you know, indentured servitude, you know, but, um, you know, but it was just of like, you know, it was a big flex to tell people how many hours you work yeah. that day, you know? So rather than talking only about the time that you spent at work, we talk about a lot of the time that we spend at home right while we're at work yeah you know so we take an interest in people's lives and don't get me wrong in, in most companies there will be pockets of individuals that care about each other enough right. but it's not top down true you know the, you know um you know our old owner yeah, i mean and this is of course a huge company you know but he, he didn't but he didn't build it from the bottom up like this where he had a personal interest in you know the dishwasher Right. You know, and then because he didn't have a personal interest in the, you know, in he didn't even have a personal interest in the person directly under him. So then that person directly under him didn't have a personal interest in the person under them. And it just kind of from the top down. Right. People were only focused on what they could get out of each other while they were at work and not what was happening to them outside of work. Okay. So, I mean, I would say that's a huge change, you know, um, and, you know, I, I, I like to be part of that. You know, I like to think about, you know, what is our, you know, like, what does our office staff have going on at home? You know, and how, how can we help them to embedder themselves at home? Because we know that the net benefit will be, A, not only knowing that somebody that we care about is having a better home life, but then that also turns them into a better employee. 100%. You know, because if their if their home life is is in good shape, then we know that like, like that's going to be a barrier that isn't going to be in place to make them do their job better. Right. You know, so you, yeah, because if they're just sitting there thinking all the time, you know, well, yeah, you know, my my family is falling apart and all that. You know, like, like they're going to be thinking about that and not thinking about like, well, how can I, you know, how can I better this business? Yeah. You know, how can I better, you know, how can I better the people around me? So of course, the net benefit is everybody get, right. you know, raised up. Right. So yeah, I would yeah, I would say exactly that. Right. And you embody this, and that's why you got promoted to general manager so quickly. Right. Um, is we invest into their personal lives so that they'll invest into the business. I mean, obviously we do it so that their personal lives are better because we care, mm -hmm. right? But it's not, we invest in your work life so that your personal life can be affected. It's the opposite. If we invest in your personal life so that you can give us your best here. Right. Right. It's a, it's a them at first. Right. And I think that's, that's really abnormal. Right. Not something you see a lot of. And um, the more I, I speak about it, the more I'm hearing that people people want this in their companies. Right. right. So what from the, I'm the employer, from the employee perspective, what are good ways to like start that without 
it being cheesy or coming off right. as like pushy, like, you know, oh, you're just trying to, you, you gotta, you know, some sort of ulterior motive or whatever, right? right? Like, how are, what are ways that, I mean, put yourself in back. Yeah. In food and beverage. What you know now with company culture, how would you try and change that where you were at? Well, for one thing, you have to mean it, right? It has to, it, it, it can't just be kind of the, so we do it here. I gotta bring it back over here real quick, just as an example. We do it here because we actually care about the people, right? Right. It's not a, the, the reason we do it is not so that they can come back and help us run right. better. Exactly. Right. Right. So if they say, well, I really want that because I like what it did for your company, but that's wrong. That's the wrong way to go about it. Because yeah. if you do it because you care about the people at your company, yes. the net benefit is just going to be that that naturally comes back and supports your company. Exactly. But if you just say, okay, well, hey, I saw that this guy had some really great success and you got some really great motivation, you know, and all these people, you know, that are working, you know, 60 hours a week and, uh, you know, are underpaid and are, you know, all that, you know, so we, we, if we, if we do that, it seems like it seems to be working and overall benefit our company. So I want, you know, like, um, I'm assigning my HR department to figure out how to get this done and off the ground. Thank you very much. You know, let me know what your progress is. And they walk away, you know, it's not going to work, work that right. Way, right. You know, but if from the very top, they actually, the top person has to come down to the bottom person and actually show an interest. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, and it might be difficult to change that after you already built your company culture in a big company, you know? So if yeah. you have a company with 400 people and the owner's like, wow, we kind of did this wrong, that's going to be so much dip, so much more difficult right. to rebuild your foundation. Oh, and I'm, you, you know, so much turnover. Yeah. And, you know, so, you know, you're going to rebuild your foundation now with this, with this, you know, like, um, this building up other people's dreams. Yeah, yeah, but if you started out that way, if you, when you're small, right? If you're if you're a small company, getting that wants to be a big right. company, you know, that, yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, like that's where it's going to make it right. actual. That that's how you're actually going to be able to do it. Yeah. I don't, you know, it, it can happen, right? It absolutely. Happen. Our dream manager, well, I dreamed, right? They did that with yeah, four or five hundred employees that we turning over every month. Yeah, right. And they did it. Like it's possible, but it's it's extremely difficult. Right. And they actually did it, not from the owner down, but from management down, which right is really really crazy to me that that they were able to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Because at the end of the day, there's always that stigma, like the owner doesn't care about me. Right. Right. I'm doing all this and I'm patting his pockets or her pockets or whatever. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, like if we're able to shift that focus to people care about me rather than this one person that does or doesn't care about me. Right. But people care about me. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's where it's at. Yeah. Right. So we had a few people bought a and that are caring about other people. I think that's where it happens, right? It was hard as hell for us to change the culture here. When, when we went from toxic and yeah. people talking behind each other's back, I think I had like eight employees or something. It was really, really difficult to go through getting rid of those employees and hiring new people. Yeah. And it was, it was like a two year process, right? Of doing that. I can only imagine what it would be in a four, 400 or in full. Yeah. No, oh man. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So, yeah, I guess I would just say start it out right. Yeah. You know, start with a good foundation. Right. You know, because this is, you know, and then and then that can be duplicated. Yeah. You know, and just make sure that the rock and the old dead wood doesn't doesn't creep back in. Exactly. Yeah. So, right. yeah. yeah. so what, um, if there's, if we've got somebody listening now that is looking to do what you've done, right, get out of we'll call it the rat race, whether that's in the corporate structure world where they're working 60, 70 hours a week or eight or more, uh, trying to become VP or whatever that is, right? Mm. Um, or they're in a restaurant industry, right? Mm. Or anything else where they're just getting overworked and underappreciated, right? Where do they start and how do they make the transformation that you did? First things first, you may have been thinking about it for a long time and stop thinking about it and whoever's most important in your life uh, say it out loud to them okay you know yeah like i mean really i'll never forget the night i got home i was 
just, you know, I was, I mean, I wasn't as drenched from sweat anymore. We had a 45 hour, you know, or 45 minute, uh, uh, you know, drive back in air conditioning, but I was still just like splattered and I was right. limping still. And, you know, I, I got, you know, I'll never forget looking my wife in the eye and being like, we've got to make a change. Like this can keep happening, you know? And, and, you know, so, and just say it all out loud. You know, um, if you don't have that person, you don't know who that person is, write it down or find somebody, but it's gotta be said out loud. Because you can think it for right. months, but if you don't speak it, it's not going to happen. Right. You know, and then number thing, number second thing is don't be afraid. You know, I mean, it's going to be a little bit scary, but you can't let the fear drive you. Right. Just stay where you are. Yep. Because, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll continue running in that ambulance. Your are going to be hard. Just yeah. use your heart. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, and I guarantee you the, the net benefit of making the change you know, is, is going to be huge to make when you actually decide to make that change. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you, Jonathan. You got your final thoughts or <laughs> I, I think I said them, but yeah. <laughs> All right. One, final, final question. Yeah. Number one book you've read, you refer to everybody. Mm-hmm. Number one book that, that has shifted you or turned you into who you are. It's going to sound weird because it's the most recent one that we just did as a company, but I, I read it three times now. So, um, but yeah, the personality isn't permanent. That one I quote more than I think I've quoted almost any book when it comes to this subject matter. Right. Or just yeah. in life and generous. Yeah. Well, yeah, this, I mean, this personality isn't permanent book was absolutely fantastic. Okay. You know, and I know that's weird because it is the most recent one we've done, but, um, yeah, that one, I, yeah, I very rarely do I start a book, finish it and then literally just like start it over. Benjamin Hardy is incredible. Yeah. So. You know, I mean, it's just, yeah, it really breaks a lot of old paradigms, right. That people believe about themselves. Absolutely. And so, Cool. Yeah. And that, yeah, I mean, that flows right in to your personality of being stuck in the uh, yeah. industry and leaving it. So, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, whatever skills you picked up in your old world, your old industry, the skills, not the habits necessarily, but the skills. Right. You're going to find a way to use them. Right. You know, as a chef, I still get to, I still get to be a chef. That's right. You know, I just get to do it, A, for my family. Yeah, and birthday eat. parties. Yeah, and birthday parties, you know. And, you know, every night while I'm cooking dinner and yeah. all that, but I get to do it with them. And then, you know, I found nonprofit, you know, ways to benefit right. people in my community by being a chef. Right. You know, if you're a bricklayer and you are done with that industry and you want to do something else, you'll still find a way to utilize being a bricklayer. It's definitely not a waste of your yeah. time. Yeah, absolutely. And whatever skills you picked up, it's not like you have to set those all down. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jonathan. I really appreciate you being our first guest on a podcast. All right. So, uh, if this podcast helped you guys in any sort of way, please do us a favor, share it, send it to your friends, do whatever, um, because we want to help as many people as we possibly can. Love you all. God bless. Wouldn't they go?